and welcome to Unbossed. I got Ben here today. We both are jamming to the intro music. Just can't help ourselves. And then I think I was talking to Jessica on Monday about how, or maybe it was Ray, easy Jessica or Ray, about how cool it is to have your own intro music, your own walk on the stage music. I, I recommend that for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So good. So today, so glad to have Ben here. And Ben is the host of Galaxy Brain and a breakdown contributor. You do not want to miss what Ben lays down. She puts the facts down like nobody's business. And on the show today, we're going to talk again about the impending rail worker strike, maybe strike. We know that Congress is Oh, putting their bodies on the scale, including this president, to stop these workers from being able to strike and stand up for their rights. We're going to also talk about landmark same sex marriage bill that passed the Senate, and also progressives or progressive ish groups mobilize on behalf of Senator Reverend Warnock in the great state of Georgia. So let's go with our rail worker strike update. We talked about this yesterday. I got a feeling we're going to talk about this. Several times a week. December the 9th is fastly fast approaching. We know that the House has taken action. The ball is slowly but surely going into the court of the Senate. We're going to keep you posted on this because this is serious business. So a railroad strike is looming and workers' demands need to be met. Let's look at this headline Biden is breaking his sick leave promise to crush rail workers. And this headline is coming from the lever. In 2020, Biden called the lack of decent paid sick leave a national disgrace. That's what he said in 2020 while he was on the campaign trail. But now he's siding with rail worker barons to crush rail workers seeking those benefits. And it's not just the President of the United States of America who is doing this. It is also the Congress who is also complicit as well, unless they shut this thing down. As a labor dispute between rail workers and railroad companies barrels towards a nationwide rail strike, President Joe Biden is standing with railroad barons to force a deal on workers that not only falls far short of their demands, but also goes against Biden's own promise to grant reasonable paid sick leave to all Americans. Lest we forget, and thank you, the, the lever, for putting this down, lest we forget. Paid sick leave was in Build Back Better. I just want to walk you back down memory lane because we are not imagining this. I want you to bold it. I want you to underline it. I want you to put it in a message in a bottle. Paid sick leave was in Build Back Better. I am going to repeat that towards the end of the segment, but I want you to know that the President of the United States of America is going back on his word. The move is the latest and possibly starkest example of the chasm between. Biden's pro-worker rhetoric during his campaign and presidency and the numerous pro-corporate actions he has taken in the White House. So sure enough, sometimes politicians say one thing on the campaign trail and they do a whole nother thing when they get into office. So now as part of his 2020 presidential campaign, President Joe Biden or then you know, Mr. Biden pledged that he would ensure all workers have at least seven paid sick days. Now, let's remember that Biden said in March of 2020 during a campaign speech, this is what he said. It's a national disgrace that millions of our fellow citizens don't have a single day of paid sick leave available to them. You know what? When he said that, he was right. What he is doing right now is wrong. Ben, jump in here on this. Yeah, I mean, really, like what Joe Biden's doing right here is worse than doing nothing. Joe Biden is going out of his way to stop workers from going on strike to demand just basic, decent humanity. And, and like, to be entirely honest, this deal feels like a spit in the face to like all workers across the board because the deal is one sick day. And that is what Joe Biden thinks is sufficient for rail workers. One sick day, they're all they're asking for is like a week of sick days. They're not asking for the moon. And Joe Biden quite literally went out and was like, oh, well, you know, as much as I really support workers going on strike, you know, this would be really damaging to the economy. What do you think the point of a strike is, Joe? What do you think the point? Of, of course, that's the point. It's 
because if the workers don't show up to work, if all of a sudden the whole economy falls apart, then maybe their work is valuable and they should get the money that they deserve and they should be treated as valuable people instead of just cogs in a machine to make profits. Because at the end of the day, Joe Biden doesn't want to seem like the Grinch that stole Christmas because people have a difficult time getting their presents on time because of a rail worker strike. But who's the Grinch in this situation? It's not the workers, it's definitely not the workers, okay? It is the profiteers that want to pay their workers dirt wages, that don't want to give them benefits, time off, or sick time, or anything like that. Right, they are quite literally, in a sense, robbing from their families the time of, you know, sick time, of paid time off, of like decent fair wages. What about their Christmas? What about the rail workers' Christmas, Joe? What about that, Joe? And you are so right, Ben. It just really burns my behind to hear people use Christmas in this way. Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming. You know, these workers deserve what they are asking for. They're not asking for too much. They're not reaching too high. It is a national disgrace. He was right when he said that on the campaign trail. And I wish that Joe Biden would show up to this fight. But this September, Biden reversed course, helping negotiate a deal between rail world bosses and unions that would only grant workers a single pay sick day per year, despite the unions pushing for as many as 15 sick days, a number they were ultimately willing to reduce to as few as four. Now to avoid a shutdown of the nation's rail network, he is asking Congress to force that deal on workers who voted to reject it. Go ahead on the lever. Lay it on out there. Now the rail workers, as with all workers, they deserve to have paid sick leave. They deserve to have paid family and medical leave. It is the right and moral thing to do because guess what? Human beings need time off when they are sick. They are not robots. They are not cogs in the wheel. Ben, as you laid out, they are human beings who need rest. And in the United States of America, the only industrialized nation on the face of God's green earth that does not give this kind of sick time, it is immoral all day long, all day long, twice on Sundays. It is immoral as hell. They're not asking for too much. And it is inhumane what is happening to these rail workers and the fact that the Congress wants to flex its muscles against them. What makes them better, any different than Jeff Bezos? Hello, somebody. I mean, I'm trying to understand that. What makes them different? Nothing makes them different in this situation. And, and, and shame on both parties, on both of them. This is another example of how the owner donors are in total control in the United States Congress. And obviously they control the presidency too. This is shameful. But let's bring in, let's bring in some other voices to this mix. Let's see what Sarah Nelson had to say about this, the great unionist herself or the airline workers. Love this response I just got when texting this statement to someone on the hill. So she sent a text about how the rail workers they deserve and, and that they stand in solidarity with the rail workers. And this is what this person says, good, thanks for sending. As an aside, all of those transport industry complain about worker shortages. Maybe if it wasn't such a mean and hostile anti-worker environment, they could attract more people. Give me a break. And I am so glad to see the airline workers, the, the workers that Sarah Nelson leads are standing in solidarity with our rail workers. Let's see what my stunt double had to say, Ben, because my stunt double is always on Twitter acting up. This is what she had to say. The same neoliberals who said it was our quote, patriotic duty to pay higher gas prices are now saying rail workers shouldn't strike because it would be bad for the economy. Number one, we see ya. Number two, a strike can be avoided if the demands of the workers are met. It, it really is as simple as that. This is not rocket science, this is not complicated. Give the workers what they are asking for and guess what, strike averted. Let's see what some other folks had to say about this. Oh, My stunt double is still going, this is what she said. Senators Cornyn and Rubio were never outflanking Dems to the left on workers rights. They were banking on being the minority vote on it and posturing while the vote failed. Now that the vote might pass, they will oppose, they are fraud. So you got these Republicans trying to play these games, playing games with the people. Last time I checked, 
There are union workers, there are rail workers in every state in this country who may lean to the right or lean to the left or lean libertarian and no party at all. Maybe a little country, maybe a little rock and roll, maybe a little rap, maybe a little gospel, maybe maybe a little folk music. It doesn't matter how they identify, these people deserve their paid sick time. But this, this, the impact of the strike, I want you to really watch this, how mainstream media is really lining this up to be the fault of the workers themselves. And then Ben, when we come out of these two sites, then you can have at it. Here we go. Rail strike is one of the most disruptive and expensive things that can happen to an economy. A rail shutdown or strike would disrupt supply chains. A strike means food prices could skyrocket. Many experts are saying would be an economic catastrophe. That could mean a big shortage and massive price hikes. Even gas prices could increase. And it also could cost the economy a billion dollars within the first week. That would cripple the economy. I'm not setting aside the concerns of your members, but are you and your members willing to stop the rails in effect uh, and and accept those costs to the U.S. economy. Do you believe a strike is worth it if it cripples the U.S. economy and costs up to $2 billion a day? More than $2 billion per day. Is it worth it? And on top of all of that, the holidays are right around the corner. So a little less than a month right before Christmas here. Especially right before the holidays. President Biden warning if that happened... It would devastate the economy if we had a strike like that. So joining me now to talk about this and a lot more is Bank of America. It's Brian Moynihan, chairman and CEO, one of the biggest banks in the world. What is devastating, Ben, to me is making these workers grovel for sick time. Yeah, most definitely. Because especially, I mean, there's there's two big layers that I want to touch on this. First, foremost, if rail workers are that important to our economy and the rail system is that important to our economy, why is it privatized? Well, there's a history lesson in that. The reason it's privatized is because the United States government thought the easiest way to like quite literally commit genocide against indigenous people is by giving away a bunch of free land to wealthy like millionaires at the time. That fundamentally is why the railroad is privatized, right? And so the other layer to this fundamentally is what is Joe Biden doing to these workers? Because passing an act of Congress to prevent a strike, quite literally, that is putting a gun to the heads of those workers, telling them to get back to work. Because who is going to show up if those rail workers decide to go on a wildcat strike? What is going to happen? The police are going to respond. That's the whole point of them passing congressional legislation in order to prevent people from going on strike. Is that so that they can say to these workers that we will use militarized violence against you to stop you from getting decent wages and having a fair workplace. That is what Joe Biden is doing. And you don't get to do that and claim to be pro-worker or pro-union or anything like that. And if the Democrats keep acting like this, wildcat strikes are gonna start becoming a lot more common across the country. That's it, that's it. And and the burden again should not be placed on the workers. You know, this is gonna be disruptive. Are you and your members willing to? No, the question is not whether or not the members of the rail workers the union that is standing up on behalf of their members are willing to disrupt the economy. The question is, are the owner donors, the owners of these rail companies willing to disrupt the economy? It is curious, it is, it is, it is like beyond pale to me that they are putting this burden on the workers who are only asking for what they deserve. The owner donors again, winning. And let's look at what Professor Harvey K had to say. Yeah, this is thunder, lightning, and rain right here. He said, I know they are quite different. So for all the you know people out there, won't be any of our members who say, oh my God, it's so unfair to compare President Joe Biden to President Ronald Reagan. But baby, on this one, oh, there are a whole bunch of similarities. So Professor Harvey K said, I know they're quite different still. 1981, former union president Ronald Reagan versus air traffic controllers. And in 2022, pro-union Joe Biden versus railway workers. How about that? The hypocrisy is thick as hell. And I do want you to remember again, just in case you forgot, I said I was gonna bring this up again, that sick leave, paid sick leave was in Build Back Better bill. But the moderates passed the infrastructure bill first. You may remember that. Right? And then progressives lost all leverage. So they passed the infrastructure bill before 
the, the Build Back Better bill and nobody played hardball. America, this is wrong. We must stand in solidarity with the rail workers. I want you to underline that. I want you to bold it. I want you to put an exclamation point, put a message in the bottle and send it on the train. Stand side by side with these workers. What is happening in that Congress is wrong and it's gonna come back to bite. It's gonna come back to hurt because now that Congress will lose all, all moral high ground when they going up against the Bezos and the Elon Musk of the world. They lose it because they are preventing these workers from striking for what they deserve. And if it's happening to them, it will happen to all other workers too. Cuz what's happening to them, it puts all workers in this country in peril that Congress can just go ahead and, and side with their owner donors. They are being very honest about who they are and whose side they are on. There is no middle ground here. Either you are on the side of the workers or you are not. Either you are standing with the people or you are not. Either you just either you believe that the workers, those rail workers and the workers of the United States of America deserve paid sick time or you do not. It is as simple as that. I'm about to get up out this chair, just run around the room and just throw my there they go. Papers gone everywhere. We sick and tired of the foolishness that's going on in this country. We really are. Ben, we sick of it, you know? Yeah, 100%. And it's like this, like how much, like how they just feel perfectly comfortable beating down workers. Like it's not it. I mean, they're literally talking about passing. I mean, these are Democrats. Democrats have the House right now until January. They could, they could have, I know this is a bold, bold idea. They could have forced the railroad company to accept the compromise deal that these unions offered up, right? They, they could have forced, they could have said, railroad company, you have to make sacrifices. But who has to make these sacrifices? Is it is it ever the millionaires or the billionaires? No, the people that have to make sacrifices are the people that are already sacrificing time with their families while they're out working on these trains for long hours so that you can get, so that we can get what? Right, like let's be real. So we can get our Christmas presents on time. Like as important as that is, what's more important that these real workers have time with their family, that they have time to take off for sick leave. That's a heck of a lot more of a Christmas present to me is if these workers actually get the ability to live a decent life. That's it, man. I mean, we over it. People need to be outraged, and everybody's hair should be on fire. I had a boss who said, "If your hair is on fire, act like your hair is on fire." Well, doggone it, our hair should be on fire. For what is happening to these railway, railway, railway workers should be on fire for them. They're coming for them. It'll be all of us next. We'll be right back. I got, I got to go get my fire extinguisher because I'm hot right now. And we are back. I'm a little extinguished, not much, just a little bit. But here is my favorite part of the show, and you all know that it is reading the comments from our viewers. And TYT member Tall Glass says, Ben, that deep red is so your color, looking good, my dear, with a smiley face with heart in the eyes. That is your color, baby. I'm feeling that too. Go ahead, Tall Glass, put it on out there. On Twitch, Venomous Dragon says, Nina and Ben, love you, ladies. Hope everyone is having a good day. Thank you, Venom Dragon. We are having a good day and especially a very good day now after these wonderful comments. And on YouTube Super Chat, Flaw Dragon says, Ben and Nina, Nina and Ben, love and all exclamation points. Well, we love you as well, each and every one of you. Thank you so much for supporting Unboss and thank you for supporting the TYT Network. Do not forget that Brittany Griner still needs us. Her family still needs us. If you are on social media, hashtag we are BG. We are BG. We are sending prayers and thoughts and well wishes as others are working very hard. We got to put that vibe out, that energy out there to bring her home. We will not forget Brittany Griner on this show. We will not. And do not forget our sisters and brothers and our family and friends in Jackson, Mississippi. You can help us here at TYT by going to tyt.com slash relief. That is tyt.com slash relief. Here we go, landmark same-sex marriage bill. Watch this. Sir, 61, the nays are 36. Uh, the bill, as amended, has passed. Mr. President, what a great day. What a great day. Yeah, baby, great day indeed. The Senate passed a bipartisan legislation Tuesday to protect same-sex marriage. This is a sigh of relief 
for the hundreds of thousands of same sex couples who have married since the Supreme Court's 2015 decision. Democrats are moving quickly while the party still holds the majority in both chambers of Congress. However, it is important to note the legislation would not force any state to allow same sex couples to marry. But let's put this up and read this. The legislation will require states to recognize all marriages that were legal where they were performed and protect current same sex unions if the court's 2015 Overfield versus Hodges decision were to be overturned. And the legislation was approved 61 to 36 on Tuesday, including support from 12 Republicans. Yeah, you heard me right. Support from 12 Republicans. So the Republicans who voted in support of Respect for Marriage Act, there they are lined up there. And you can see them. Some of the people I'm sure you know from that list, like Susan Collins and Joni Erse. You have Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, who's you know serving his last few months there in the in the United States Senate, and on and on. So those are the 12 Republicans that voted in favor. Good on them for doing that. And the Republicans that did not support it total 36. And let's go ahead and include and put their names up there. The usual suspects, we are not surprised. Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, Tim Scott, etc., etc., etc. And as a reminder, let's put up this headline, Mitch McConnell votes against interracial marriage bill, although the man is in an interracial marriage. Your thoughts, Ben? Yeah, I mean, like uh, there's, I mean, there's so many directions to go from here. First and foremost, the only reason this is happening now is because Obama didn't do this when he had a supermajority, right? Same thing with Roe v. Wade, right? That why there's this all this like you know fuss about Roe v. Wade and stuff like that. Like fundamentally, this stuff should have been done a heck of a lot earlier. And there are actually a lot of Democrats like Bill Clinton in the past that actually actively push things backward on this front. But this is a victory, we need to accept this victory. And I think we also need to take a minute to take in all the coping and seething from like the right wing think tanks and like the Heritage Foundation crying about it. And just like, <laughs> like you know, take this in as, as a victory, right? That at very least like folks who are in same sex couples that are married today will have their marriages protected. I wish they would have gone further to like force states to accept like gay marriages, right? Um, but I guess maybe that's a compromise they made for Republicans to be on board, which is all the more important, which is when Democrats do actually have majority, you need to run with it and you need to actually do something with it. Because right now we're like racing against time to protect people's rights as the Supreme Court is like, you know, you know, putting them in line to throw them all in the shredder. Um we wouldn't be in that situation if Democrats actually did their jobs and were a lot more proactive. You better true that. And the American people are right there. Support for same sex marriage is at an all time high. Let's put up this graph so folks can see exactly where US support for gay marriage. Do you think marriages between same sex couples should or should not be recognized by the law as valid with the same rights as traditional marriages and look at where the American people are. And we have come a long way in this country, but the American people are right there. And that is indeed a beautiful, and I mean beautiful, beautiful thing. Now we're gonna talk about something that we usually don't talk about enough, and that is the violation of child labor laws. There is a headline here, I want you to check that out. It's you know, comparing it to modern day slavery. I don't necessarily like the reference, but I, I get it. And I'm sure that most of you can understand why I don't necessarily like the reference. But Australian report advises urgent action to combat slavery in clean energy supply chains. And let's put up more from this article so that we will get a better understanding. The report entitled Addressing Modern Slavery in the Clean Energy Sector notes examples of worker enslavement and other abuses, including of children from the Ecuadorian Amazon to China, where 2.6 million Uyghurs and Kazas allegedly face forced or coerced labor, so-called re-education programs and imprisonment in concentration camps. And that is coming from an article that was written by Brent in the Common Dreams. Further, 
The report also highlights the children labor running rampant in manganese and cobalt mining in Zambia and Congo respectively, as well as in nickel production in the Philippines. Those three metals are critical to the manufacture of batteries. So again, we are being reminded that we are not far removed from anybody's abuse. That if people are being abused, whether those people are adults or children, anywhere in the world, there is some connection that we have in the United States of America because we are indeed citizens of the world. And we ought to care about this report and to care about the crisis and how workers are being abused and especially children. Ben? Yeah, most definitely. And with this, I guess I kind of want to add like an asterisk or a grain of salt to like this report with the mindset of where do we go from here? Because the original report actually came from an industry trade group in Australia that they have their own economic interests, right? They want domestic production. And specifically right now, they're pushing to put sanctions on China. Uh, with China is the number one producer and like renewable energies and things like that. And so they're pushing this for their economic aim. And that's one of the reasons why they combined like, you know, things that are very well established that's going on in Central Africa and the Philippines and stuff like that with stuff where the Human Rights Council at the United Nations has been like, well, we don't really, we're a lot less certain about everything that's going on in China. And with a lot of countries saying that the United States is overblowing a lot of that. Um, and so they, they say this with the mindset of you should support these sanctions. But the reality is when you look at horrible working conditions around the world, a lot of them are actually driven by companies within the United States, Australia, Canada, you know, the usual suspects where they force these countries to adopt either special economic zones or specific exemptions from their labor laws in order to operate within these countries. I mean, sometimes the United States has a history of using the CIA and other methods to force these countries to accept like very, very low standards of working conditions. And so that's what we really need to understand that the party is responsible for these human rights abuses. We shouldn't use it as an excuse to be xenophobic or escalate tensions with other countries. We should take a hard look at the, the companies, right? The profiteers within the United States that are taking these in and why they aren't doing anything about it. Because if they know about these issues within their supply chain, they could make demands because they're the one purchasing these things. And we could also, like if we're so insistent on making all these trade deals across the world, we could actually, I don't know, put in place labor protections in these trade deals that we have around the world. But the reality is, is that these trade deals get written on behalf of the giant corporations. And so too, unfortunately, do a lot of the specific exemptions to labor laws that these companies get in a lot of these different countries. And so what we have to walk away with from stories like this really is where do we go from here? And where we go from here is focusing on the responsible parties of these giant corporations treating these workers so terribly. That's right, and that we don't have clean hands. I mean, we really do not. A further in the report, the report is an important and welcomed acknowledgement by industry of this problem and a first step towards addressing it. But we need to see industry, government, the financial sector and civil society working together. And that really was the point that Ben was making too, to provide access to competitively cost slavery free renewable energy. If we don't, modern slavery risks significantly complicating the just transition to a decarbonized economy. And that is coming from the anti-slavery commissioner of New South Wales. And so all of this is infuriating, it is certainly heartbreaking, but the reach is widespread. Here's an alarm and some alarming data from a 2021 report by the international by international labor that the 2021 global estimates indicate there are 50 million people in situations of modern slavery on any given day either forced to work against their will or in a marriage that they were forced into. This number translates to nearly one of every 150 people in the world. And here is more data from the World Population Review. Take a look at this, the top 10 countries with the highest prevalence of modern slavery by slaves per 1000 residents. And this is a global survey index from 2018. And we see the list of all of those countries, those places all around the world from North Korea all the way to Cambodia. 
This is a shame. And if you think the United States is immune, I want you really to think again. Watch this. The US Labor Department has accused a major cleaning company of using child labor on graveyard shifts at slaughterhouses. The federal agency says Packers Sanitation Services, Inc. employed at least 31 children, the youngest just 13 years old, at three JBS meat plants in Nebraska and Minnesota, and that the company likely employs far more children across its 400 other locations. My God. All right, so we don't have clean hands in the United States of America. And this from a Slate article just a couple of weeks ago. In one example, 14 year old work through the night cleaning machines used to cut meat while attending Walnut Middle School. A report cited in the lawsuit detailed this child falling asleep in class and missing class as a result and suffering injuries from chemical burns. I thought you know this was something of another century, but here we go, another two centuries, but here we are. So hello, child labor laws. Federal child labor law generally prohibits the employment of minors of non-agricultural occupations under the age of 14, restricts the hours and types of work that can be performed by minors under 16, and prohibits the employment of minors under the age of 18 in any hazardous occupation, usually. Ben? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where like, 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 there's so many layers to this, but because one of the things that, that like our country does, especially like, you know, private companies really, really push for one of the reasons why private companies push so aggressively for border restrictions is because a lot of kids, a lot of people that end up in child labor situations in the United States are undocumented, right? And they quite literally have men with guns threatened in their direction saying, "Oh, we'll call ICE on you, we'll call the police on you. Um, you know, if you try and report us for all these terrible working conditions. And the unfortunate reality is, is those systems operate mostly to the benefit of those giant corporations. Another layer to this, and that wasn't mentioned in this story, but I think it's relevant, especially considering the chart mentioned earlier about the amount of people in modern day slavery. The way that they calculate those, because like a lot of these nonprofit organizations take money from like giant corporations and whatnot, they will include prison labor for other countries, but they don't include it for the United States very conveniently enough. Because if you include prison labor with the United States figures in forced labor, then all of a sudden you realize that the United States is actually one of the worst offenders. And then if you even change the definition a little bit more to people working to the benefit of American corporations, then you realize globally that the United States by far is the worst offender. And so fundamentally, we need to understand and recognize that the very institutions that surround us every single day that are supposedly about protecting us and protecting children in our communities are actually the very same ones that are putting children in danger, that are forcing children to work in hazardous working conditions. And unfortunately, these giant companies, they're not paying costs for it, they're profiting off of it. Yeah, they are. Again, no clean hands and a lot of people being complicit in this. So let's keep an eye on this. Again, what happens to one directly happens to us all indirectly. That is a forever quote by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So progressives are mobilizing for talking about a reverend for Reverend Senator Warnock in the great state of Georgia. We have one more week before the runoff. And the reminder, the Democrats do need to win Georgia, despite what some neoliberals had to say. Just because the Democrats are at 50 now, they were writing off Senator Warnock, if you can believe that. Yeah, it happened. Let's put up this headline, progressives mobilize in Georgia for December 6th Senate runoff. Advocacy groups back in Senator Raphael Warnock call the Democrat a reproductive rights champion who is also fighting to stop the climate crisis and create good jobs in the process. I want all of you to know there are many other progressive groups supporting Senator Warnock other than the ones that we're gonna list today. But this particular article focused in on those groups that are part of reproductive health, reproductive champions and or climate chaos. So let's take a look at some of those organizations that are right there. So while more than 500,000 Georgians have already cast their ballots for a December 6 runoff, progressive leaders and groups are encouraging peach state voters to help US Senator Raphael Warnock, the Democratic incumbent, defeat his GOP challenger, ex football player, Herschel Walker. Yeah, they are encouraging that. 
And the race is tight, it really is. And that's why we're in this runoff. The tight race has implications for not only Georgia, but the entire country. Though Democrats lost their majority in the US House earlier this month, Warnock winning reelection would give his party 51 Senate votes. And thank you, Jessica, for laying that out in Common Dreams. And that is important because I'm glad that you asked. The tight race has those implications. And independents favor Warnock by 52% to 48%, which is just enough to offset the plus six point Republican advantage in party identification with Republicans 95% for Walker and Democrats 99% for Warnock. Any thoughts about what's happening in the great state of Georgia? Yeah, I mean, like, on one hand, it's like hopeful and exciting, right? That that Raphael Warnock is doing good in the polls. But like, why is Herschel Walker polling as well as he is? Like, really? Like, seriously, like that's one of those things that just continuously like melts my brain with all the things that's come out about like like his like abusiveness and his personal life, all the ridiculous things that he said, like running around pretending to be a sheriff, like come on, like come on. Like how do people not see how like cartoonish and like villainous like this it's 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 just completely ridiculous. And so like fundamentally, I really hope that the team like the their campaign team really hammers down on like how like over the top and ridiculous Herschel Walker is and how like fundamental fundamentally dishonest he is. Um, it looks also like if independents are swinging more for Raphael Warnock than Herschel Walker in this situation, that that should really start dispelling a lot of myths that I think people have about independent voters. Because like technically, I'm an independent voter, right? I consider myself a socialist. So when people ask, are you very liberal? I'm like, no, I'm a socialist, which is nowhere on that spectrum. There's a lot of independent voters out there, believe it or not. Uh, that want to see people who are reproductive rights champions, that want to see people who are actually willing to stand up for like workers and things like that, that actually think that the moderation is not great and don't want to vote for somebody that's as ridiculous or as extreme as Herschel Walker is. Yeah, that is the truth. And that 51 seats would make it easier for the president to confirm judicial nominees. And so it's important, including to the Supreme Court if that opportunity presents itself. And there, so so that's why this is important. Let's put up very quickly some of the groups, and this is just a sampling, who are supporting Senator Warnock. And you see them, they're Friends of the Earth, Sunrise, NARAL, Planned Parenthood, and 100 plus clergy for Warnock. And then some of the leaders, again, none of this is exhaustive, but this is just what was listed in the articles. And you have the president, the vice president, Senator Warren, Senator Jeff Merkley, and Representative Pramila Jayapal, just to name a few. And then we have the Georgia Poor People's Campaign launched a statewide canvassing effort for on behalf of Senator Warnock. They were text baking and social media campaigns to reach out to low income voters to get them out to vote. And I know for a fact, progressive Democrats of America are doing the same thing. So this is just a sampling. Get out there, Georgia. If you know somebody, phone a friend or a friend of me, tell them they got to get out there. We are one week away from this runoff. And I do sincerely agree with Ben. It should have never been that close, but here we are. You got to get out there and vote. Reverend Warnock. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Let's go to the second half of our viewer comments on Twitch. Pebble says, love you, Nina and Ben. And Pebble gives us a nice little purple heart. Thank you, you're sending that love back. And on YouTube, Super Chat has been says, Nina is on fire this morning, love it, exclamation point. You know, that song that comes to mind, this girl is on fire by Alicia Keys. That's how I walk. Through the streets. Yes, thank you, baby, for that. And then Suzanne says, loved Nina's energy during the railroad story. I'm rooting for a wildcat wildcat strike. Exclamation point. I heard that. It's time for the workers to take back their power indeed. And we standing right with them. Thank you all again so much for your support of Unboss and the TYT network. None of us could do what we do without you. You matter so much to us. Now I hate to come after you know re- come to a story of this magnitude after all that love fest, but here we go. Carrie Lake, terror continues. Watch this. 
But I think we should have a, a new election. I think that is something that should be on the table. This time run by competent people who are independent, who are not trying to bring down any particular candidate, who are unbiased. We definitely can't have Maricopa County, then these same clowns who ran this circus of an election run the next one. And I think a lot of people in Arizona want to have a new election in Maricopa County. We'll see what the court says, we really will. It will be up to the court, but we have faith in the system that when we fight this and we bring forth our great case, they will listen. It's not about me, it's about the people. Oh no, it's all about Carrie Lake, because if it wasn't all about her, she would not be doing this. Don't pay attention to what she just said, it really is all about her. So what you just watched was a continuation of the Carrie Lake calling the election a fraud. As a reminder, Carrie Lake has lost this race. Let's put up these graphics. She lost the race in Arizona, There's there are the data points right there. Yes, it was a very close race, get it. But baby, you lost, get over it, move on with your life, you lost. Dang, she lost. We definitely need to send you a message in a bottle by rail, you lost the race, baby. But she fails, she refuses to concede the race. Let's check out this headline, Arizona GOP governor candidate Carrie Lake refuses to concede after loss. Now notice the headline says after loss. You know what, because it's very clear, Carrie, that you lost, get a grip. But Carrie's always played the victim, do you remember this? You can call us extremists, you can call us domestic terrorists. You know who else was called a lot of names his whole life? Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm about to throw these papers again. This woman had the pure unadulterated gall to compare her plight to that of Jesus Christ. Now I am a Christian woman from the black liberation theology. So I am going to try not to curse, but I wanna do it right now to cuss in, 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 in my, on my block, that's what we call it. The woman just said, you know who else went through some drama and some trauma? It was Jesus Christ. Carrie, you are no Jesus Christ, baby. And what you are enduring comes nowhere close to what Jesus endured. Get a grip, woman, please, for the love of God and everything on this earth, get a grip. Ben. Yeah, I think Carrie's in the wrong business. You know, she should start a winery with all this uh, sour grapes that she has. You know, <laughs> we gonna get us look, Ben. We gonna get us some cheese for all that wine and she doing <laughs> all that wine she got going. Get the yeah. ladies some cheese. Yeah, but I mean, in all seriousness, though, this is part of like a larger fascist movement that's growing across the United States of America. Like to a certain extent, I don't even think that Carrie Lake believes this. I think that Carrie Lake thinks that it's useful, right? Because a lot of these Republicans, they know, they know that the election isn't fraudulent because this is the thing. These are the same Republicans that spend all day and night, right? Trying to stop black and brown folks across the country from voting. If they thought that the elections were rigged anyway, they wouldn't go through all this efforts to gerrymander everything, to do all this voter suppression tactics, to do like whatever games they're running in Florida where they're like trying to entrap people into like, you know, voting voting as felons, like, like, come on, like, come on. Okay, they, they just want to push this like overt fascist agenda. Fundamentally, these are people who want to intentionally sow distrust in the elections in order to justify using literal violence. Because we have to like pair this with what's happening right now. We have terrorist attacks against queer nightclubs. We have like bomb threats that have gone into like middle schools and like hospitals that have, like just have queer people existing in them. This is part of a larger movement that Republicans are pushing for that we should all be wary of. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? I, if the team could put the graphic up again about the data point by which she lost. Because you know what, Ben? If in fact the roles were reversed and it was her with Katie Hobbs numbers, you know, so in other words, if Carrie Lake had Katie Hobbs number of 50.3, she wouldn't be saying that the race, that the election is a fraud. She would be saying, oh my God, I won, you know? So it's just a further, further example of how far these folks will absolutely go to discredit the election and to try to have their way. But look at this, but of course, the election denying by Republicans, it is absolutely nothing new. They do this 
for sport. This is what they do. They try to stop it all the time. Let's look at this headline, GOP controlled county in Arizona holds up election results. Republican local officials are threatening to disrupt the final tally of midterm votes in one more sign of the politicizing elections. That is what they do, the politicization of elections. That's what they do. This is their this is their part-time gig. This is their side hustle, putting up all this fuss over nothing. They know good and well that these elections are not rigged. Or being, I mean, your point, they do in the rigging. Hell, they 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 the ones that try to rig the elections. Here we go. And now former President Donald Trump, of course, took the chance to chime in, posting this on his social media platform, Truth. Social or false social, I should say. Massive numbers of broken voting machines in Republican districts on election day. Mechanics sent to fix them made them worse. Kerry had to be taken to a Democrat area, God forbid, which was working perfectly to vote. Her opponent ran the election. This is yet another criminal voting operation. So obvious, Carrie Lake should be installed governor of Arizona. This is almost as bad as the 2020. Here we go, this is it. This is almost as bad as the 2020 presidential election, which the unselect committee refuses to torch because they know it was fraudulent. I can't, I just can't Ben, I'm done. I bet Trump would compare himself to Jesus too. <laughs> I bet he would. Oh man, you really gonna get me going on that one. Yeah, he would. He probably does already. But I mean, they just, I mean, we, we can't make this stuff up. This is how these Republicans are rolling. But even Meghan McCain is, is not having it, which surprise, surprise, surprise. Watch this. It's so personal for she has attacked my mother, my brother, my dad, me. I mean, and made it wildly personal things I don't want to repeat on your show because it's so gross. The election has been such a referendum on conspiracy theories and people trafficking in conspiracy theories and election denying is a wholehearted rejection by Republicans and by the Republican Party. And I think it's a completely losing path for, for Republicans going forward into the general. Well, as grandma used to say, even a broke clock is right twice a day. And Meghan McCain got that right, right there, Ben. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And like, look, that's because that's, I mean, there's the old guard of Republicans, right, who still at least say that they have some sort of faith in democracy. Never mind the fact that the United States has never had full voter enfranchisement. And when they mean democracy, they really mean for like, you know, wealthy white folks. But all that aside, at least they're not like threatening to like completely overthrow, you know, like what little democracy we do have. Yeah, you know, sometimes it is the small things that absolutely make a difference. Again, Carrie, I got some advice for you. Seek help. Really, seriously, seek help. And I mean that in all sincerity. Seek help, sister. It's over. You lost. Get over it. You lost. Now to the jawbone. Now you guys know I talk about grandma all the time. The three bones, grandma's three bones, the wishbone, the jawbone, and the backbone. And today we are going to highlight the jawbone. And our quote is coming from the one and only Audrey, Audrey Lord. She was a self-described black lesbian, a mother, a warrior poet. Audrey Lord dedicated both her life and her creative talent to confronting and addressing injustices of racism, of sexism, of classism, and homophobia. Let's see what the one and only Audrey Lord had to say. She said this, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. In other words, we cannot depend on the same systems and the same structures to make a new we cannot depend on those structures to give us a new direction. Can't depend on that because the master will never dismantle their own house. So these corporations, the corporate structures, this entire system, injustice will never dismantle injustice. We need justice to do that. That was really a call to the people, really a wake up call for us too, that we can't depend on those people to make the change. We the people got to put a little extra on our ordinary so that extraordinary things can happen. We need to remember what Audre Lorde had to say. 
Then any thoughts on that? Can yeah, I use I, master's tools to dismantle the master's house? Yeah, I mean, I think it really touches on like a lot of what people are talking about, community safety and like all of these different things, especially when it comes to like law enforcement, the police, right? In larger institutions like the CIA and whatnot, these institutions are designed to be hammer factories, basically. And just like giant corporations are designed to make profit. That's what they're gonna do. It doesn't matter who is running the hammer factory, because if all you have is hammers, all you're gonna see is nails. It doesn't matter who's running the giant corporation, because at the end of the day, if you're not making money, you're out of business. And so like individuals are very replaceable in these systems, these machines that are designed to make profit, that are designed to use violence to make profit, and they're designed to suppress the interests of the working class to the benefit of the profit making industries. Yeah, and that the systems that we operate under in this country and even in the world, the systems that are very oppressive to working class people globally, are the same systems that have to be bumped up against, but they're not going to be bumped up against by the people who created the system because it is working for them. It has to be bumped up against by the very people who are suffering within those systems. And that is what Sister Lord is saying, that we cannot sit back and be naive about this. We can't use those tools to dismantle injustice, we must use new tools to dismantle injustice and to stand up for justice in all of its forms. That is what we must do. And all of us has all of us have a particular role to play in this. Now don't you sit idly by on the sidelines. You don't have to have a fancy title to be the change that you want to see in the world. You don't have to have a fancy title to want to do good and to be in solidarity and collaboration with others. Let's do this, we can and we must do this. All great movements that changed the course of human history was because everyday people got together and said, we are not going to take this anymore. We shouldn't, we don't have to, you deserve so much better. So thanks to the one and only and to the great Audre Lord, And really thanks to you for joining us today. Then it was so good to have you on the show. And people know what I'm about to say, I want you to keep the faith. But more importantly, I want you to keep the fight. Until next time, sending you so much love. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, Give us a five-star rating.